0: Are you as excited for this as you are excited for this podium? <laughs> so I showed up this morning. There was a big box leaning against the baptismal addressed to Grace City. And I'm like, what on earth could this be? So Garrett and I open it up. How are you, Garrett? There you are. He gets out his little knife, which he has on him at all times cuts the sucker open. And voila, we have a pulpit. I'm tempted to demand confession. Who bought this? Where did it come from? Thank you. This is great. I, I, I think though we should paint it. What do you think? Yes, absolutely. Quick poll. Well, I was thinking black, actually. Quick poll. What color should we paint our pulpit? green i heard a green gray city green okay let's pray i mean think it looks like move on this is boring okay we'll move on but we are going to paint it um and we'll just have to pray about the color and we'll we'll be led but bear with me because i'm, I'm kind of i don't know like exactly how to use it yet like where to stand so i'm just gonna yeah we'll start right here see what happens um, guys, if you have a Bible, now is the time to grab it. Open it on your phone. If you'd like a Bible, there, there's a few in the boxes in the aisle here. You're very welcome to grab one of those. And, of course, we'll have text on the screen as well. Um, some of what I'm going to be reading from the Scriptures uh, will not be on the screen. Um, some of it will. So you might want to have a Bible this morning. Um, because, in fact, we're, we're going to be covering quite a bit of ground. Um, if you're new, new-ish... Uh, this morning, uh, welcome. First of all, I should have said that a minute ago. Really, really glad you're here. Um, but you're going to be jumping right into a sermon series that we've been working on for I think we're up to part 26. So that would mean like 26 weeks. Um, but we've been working slowly, systematically, through the book of First Corinthians, which is actually a letter written by one of the earliest and most influential church leaders in the first century. A man named Apostle Paul, he wrote a letter to this church that he helped, or primarily uh, is responsible for beginning in the city of Corinth, and thus the letter is entitled simply, First Corinthians, there's two letters that we have that Paul wrote to the church in Corinth. We are all the way to chapter 16, and we're kind of getting into house cleaning mode, where is where obviously, he's made his main points He's brought substantial correction to the church. There was a lot of confusion, a lot of reasons why the church in Corinth was arguably the most likely church to not make it out of the first century, but by the grace of God, they absolutely did. Um, And so now we've worked through all of this pretty heavy subject matter. And if you've been around for a few weeks, you know what I'm talking about. I mean, we've, we've just covered it all. So now in chapter 16... Paul almost slightly randomly, tangently says, oh, and about the money, about the money. So this morning, we're going to talk about money. Are you excited for that? Now, some of you, your anxiety just like spiked through the roof. Oh, no. Like, why did I invite my friend to church this morning? So sorry. We're just just working through the book, and this is where we're at. Um, So chapter 16. Part 26, now concerning money. Let's go ahead and read the text. Now concerning the collection for the saints, as I directed the churches of Galatia, that's, that's the region in Asia, so you also are to do. On the first day, which would be Sunday, of every week, each of you is to put something aside and save it up, as he may prosper so that there will be no collecting when i come and when i arrive i will send the, the when i arrive i will send those whom you accredit by letter to carry your gift to jerusalem which is sort of like headquarters if it seems advisable that i should go also they will accompany me we're going to stop right there that's that's paul's Reminder. Now, let me point out a few things before we just get right into it, and, and, and we're going to actually jump around quite a bit in the Scriptures, because it's money. It's a big, 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 big subject, and we need to handle it thoughtfully. But a couple things initially. First of all, he says, now concerning. This is the fifth time in his letter where he, he opens a segment of thought with those words, now concerning. And we know that this is most likely Paul responding something that the Corinthians themselves asked him about. So he, he, the, clearly he wrote to them. They wrote back. They had a list of questions. And uh, he's, he's worked through each one of those. This is the fifth time in his letter that he said now concerning. The first time it was concerning sex. Second time was concerning marriage. Third time it was to do with food and worship. The fourth now concerning had to do with spiritual gifts. And now concerning money. Uh, the sixth time actually has to do with another leader in the church, a guy named Apollos. And we'll get to that in a couple of weeks. What's important for us to notice is that Paul is systematically working through like all of the, the major aspects of life. I mean, this, this is like discipleship 101. What does it look like to follow to believe in, to obey Jesus. What does it look like for Jesus to be Lord in like the, the big categories of life? Sex, marriage, food, worship, spirituality, and now money. So it's, he's covering all of the bases. Now, why? Why is it so important that we talk about money? Do you like talking about money? Do you feel excited talking about money? I would uh, assume, if I I may, that most of us, like, we're not super excited talking about money, especially at church. Um, In fact, I, I think, I would contend that the church... On a very general level, actually has a bit of a reputation, a bad reputation for like how we've thought about, talked about, handled, et cetera, money. So there's a, there's a bit of, there's a bit of baggage to deal with. Um, but we need to talk about it. Why? Well, a couple of obvious reasons. One, it's just like a huge part of our life, right? So if we're going to follow Jesus, if Jesus is going to be Lord, or if you even want to understand what that means, maybe you're not actually a Christian yet, but you'd really like to know, Like, if I do put my faith in Jesus, what are the implications? Okay, we, we need to consider Well, money. It's just a huge part of life. Um, I would also say it's important because um, as I alluded to just a, a second ago, I think a lot of us have a relatively dysfunctional relationship with money. Either we think about it too much, um, or perhaps we think about it too little, or perhaps we think about it too much because we thought about it too little, um, however you want to sort of look at it, I think a lot of us, we just, we just don't really know how to have a healthy relationship with money. And so it's important um, because... God wants us to have healthy relationships with each other, with him, with ourselves, with our bodies, with creation, with our leaders, with the government, et cetera, et cetera, and with money. Healthy, thriving relationships. The other reason, though, why we need to talk about money is because God is a giver. God gives. It's it's one of these Fundamental aspects of his nature. Like, God is love. God is just. God is powerful. God is knowledgeable. God is generous. He gives. And so, for us to mature, for us to grow in our identity as children of God, it's important for us to come to grips with how God sees uh, resources, but specifically money. We're talking about money, so that we might use our money and think about our money in a way that reflects the heart of our Father. So, in fact, it's not actually just about me and my little my little world or my little attitude. Um, if I aspire to to grow. In my identity as a child of God, then now I'm talking about reflecting the very heart of my father. And I want to do that well. I don't want to add to the confusion or the corruption that's out there. I want to reflect the generous, giving heart of my father. So that's why we need to talk about money. Um, I would add this as well. Money, just bear with me. Money, I think, is a bit like sex. It's, it's meant to be enjoyed. Okay, when the Bible talks about sexual intimacy, um, it's not this like evil thing to be sort of dealt with in hushed tones. Like it's, it's a celebrated thing. It's a gift from God. It's an invention of God. But it's, it's a really powerful gift. If handled in a way that's not within God's design, his intention for the gift, oh, it can, it can reap havoc in your life. If somehow your whole identity gets wrapped up in it, um, you're, you're in for a whole world of trouble. Your relationship with it um, will, in fact, become extremely unhealthy. And either you'll think about it too much, your identity will be rooted in it, or you'll, you'll have a bad experience with it and then you won't really know you won't even know what to do with it. Um, so I would say it's, it's like that. It's meant to be a gift. Um, you could even say it's, it's neutral and that it's not good or bad within itself. It's meant to be a blessing if we enjoy it the way God has intended it. You guys with me so far? All right. So where to begin? Um, I, wanna, I wanna take you guys on a quick tour quick survey of the entire bible <laughs> you guys with me so we're going to start in genesis actually um giving money to trustworthy spiritual leaders for the purposes of quote unquote kingdom causes is seen throughout the scriptures let me say it again us giving our money to spiritual leaders like other human beings for the purposes of God's kingdom, his agenda for creation is seen all throughout scripture. It's not a New Testament invention. It's not this some like weird Western prosperity gospel thing. It's, this is from beginning to end. We see this as an ongoing thing within the family of God. Genesis 14, Abraham giving a 10th of all of his possessions, to the priest known as Melchizedek. He, he's this weird, mysterious figure that just like pops in the scene. In Genesis 14, Abraham has just had this battle, has to do with Sodom, and it's, he's victorious, he's blessed, and then out of nowhere, the priest Melchizedek, he's known as the priest of the most high God, appears, and without saying anything, without asking for anything, other than it the scripture says that he... He appears on the scene and he brings out the bread and the wine. I'm sorry, that's just like an obvious allusion to Christ. I'm just, I'm putting it out there, okay? Um, A typology, as the, the theologians say. And Abraham gives him a tenth of all of his possessions. And then they move on. Don't know what he did with it. We just know that there was this holy moment where Abraham realized that God had given him victory. That God had provided for all of his needs. And Abraham, this man of faith, his response was to give it to this priest. The tenth, the tithe. That's the first time we see the tithe pop up in scripture. Exodus 35 the congregation, that is the, the people of God, bring their wealth to Moses this time for the construction of the sanctuary. Um, and I love this little little excerpt in Scripture because it says, so God gave Moses this vision. He said, here's, here's the instructions. Here, here are the plans. For at this point, it wasn't even a temple. It was a tent out in the middle of the desert. And so Moses says, look, as, as you feel led, my paraphrase, he said, but it's meant to be a free will offering. This isn't mandatory. This isn't a, uh, this is just, as you feel compelled. And it says the people started bringing him so much of their wealth, silver, gold, and, and precious stones and all this stuff. And Exodus 36, he had to make a big announcement, Moses, and he says, God, stop. Just that that's seriously too much giving. Too much giving, if you give any more, That's just just too much. Isn't that just the coolest and most bizarre thing ever? Could you imagine? Good. Leviticus. Now, this is a bit more, I think, where we often sort of go to when we think about people giving their money to church. But it says that the tithe that the people of God were commanded to give was to be um, given to the priest... Um, the Levitical priest for, their, for compensating them in their service and overseeing the spiritual life of Israel. So it was this whole uh, priesthood. And the Levites, the sons of Aaron, were given the responsibility for overseeing the sacrificial system. They were praying, they were interceding, they were guarding the tent. Um, it said from 25 to 50, they were, they were active duty. And at 50, they retired. And instead of serving, their job was to basically just guard the tent. That's what they did. And the way they received their, um, their payment, their compensation was through God's people giving. Now I like this one. We're actually gonna put this one up on the slide. Um, First Chronicles 29 verses 14 to 18. Now we're all the way up to David. David has launched a building campaign. God has now given him a vision for the temple, the first temple. Really, really big deal. And so David, like Moses, puts the word out. He says, this is not a command, but I want you to do this as a free will offering. Just out of, out, of, out of your good free will. And he says, in a prayer, after everyone's given, he says, but who am I? He's, he's talking to God, but who am I and what is my people that we should be able thus to offer willingly. For all things come from you. And of your own have we given you. For we are strangers before you and sojourners as all our fathers were. Verse 16. Our Lord God. all, O Lord our God. All this abundance that we have provided for building you a house for your holy name. Comes from your hand. And is all your own. I know, my God, that you test the heart and have pleasure in uprightness. In the uprightness of my heart, I have freely offered all these things. And I have seen your people who are present here. It says, offering freely and joyously to you. O oh Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, our fathers, keep forever such purposes and thoughts in the hearts of your people and direct their hearts toward you. This is, you know, we often, I think, have this notion of like Old Testament motivation as being just all about just legalism, laws, rule keeping. And there, there's, there's definitely something to be said for the old covenant, radically different paradigm for how we, we relate to God, for sure. And there's, there's just more than we can say about that this morning. But it's not just that. David's thanking his God that the God Himself had done something beautiful, like profound in, in his heart and the heart of the people, that they that they would give freely and joyously. And David acknowledges that, like, you know, God, it's all yours anyway. It's like Shirley said this morning, our kids, they, they gave their their little coins. How much did they give this morning? No, okay, so like as in it wasn't that much. (laughs) It was coinage. Guess where they got that money? That was my money. (laughs) Of course they did. Of course they did. Yeah. So helpful. (laughs) Mm. It all comes from God. It's all His. Let's go New Testament. We'll come back to this. Let's 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 get up to our letter now. First Corinthians. Um, if we back up to First Corinthians chapter chapter sixteen, let's back up to chapter nine. Um, let me read this to you guys. First Corinthians chapter nine. 13, and 14. Now, he's talking about money. He's talking about, he's talking about his right to receive financial assistance from the church. Uh, he also says that he's not going to demand it, even though he does have the right, because the Corinthians, are, they, they're already confused enough about what Paul is really all about. And Paul's like, look, I would rather relinquish my right to receive financial support than to somehow put an obstacle in your way of understanding what the gospel is really all about. So that's the context here. And then he says this, do you not know that those who are employed in the temple service get their food from the temple? And those who serve at the altar share in the sacrificial offerings in the same way The Lord commanded that those who proclaim the gospel should get their living by the gospel, which is essentially exactly what Jesus said in Luke 10 when he sent out uh, the 70 or the 72. He said the worker is worthy of his or her wages. Those who live by proclaiming the gospel should be compensated for their work. So... Once again, we see the people of God being called to give to a leader in the church for the purposes of accomplishing the kingdom cause, the proclamation of the gospel, planting new churches, birthing communities around the living Jesus. So giving is a given in the story of God. We need to start right there. Giving is a given in the story of God. It's just something that God's people do. It's part of having a healthy relationship with the money that God has entrusted to us. Is that okay? Okay. Um, But this really begs the question. Why? We can see it. We can see it. It's a thing, right? There's there's no getting around it. No one's making it up. But what's my motivation? What's my motivation? Because this is supremely important. Because God is, is... He's looking at my heart. He's looking at my heart. Now, at this point, some of you are thinking, do it. Do it. Go to Malachi. Malachi chapter 3. Do it. Some of you are like, what, what does it say? What does Malachi chapter 3 say? All right, I'm going to go there. I'm going to go there. But just suspend judgment, please. Okay? Because some of you are like, oh, gosh. Here we go. Just, just hang, hang on. Malachi chapter three, verse 10. The prophet, this is the last of the speaking prophets in the Old Testament. Just before a 500 year gap of silence. This is what the prophet writes in chapter three, verse 10. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse. It's a metaphor for the house of God. That there may be food in my house. God says, stop Robbing me. Very strong words, like offensively strong. Stop robbing me. Bring the tithe into the storehouse so that my house might have food, that there might be resources. And that's Malachi chapter 3, verse 10. Um, I want to I quickly plug uh, Pastor Seth Trimmer. He's the pastor of Grace City in Corvallis, our Sending church he gave a really helpful sermon. Uh, this was like back in October. They were going through a series called hashtag Blessed. <laughs> I know, it's so cheesy. <laughs> um, and I think it was October 17th, if I'm remembering correctly. I'd love for you to look it up. If you go onto the Grace City uh, Church.org website, go to the sermon series, Hashtag Blessed, look for the sermon entitled First. And it's a talk on the the principle of the first. And I think he does a very thoughtful, a biblically balanced job of talking about this idea of the tithe. Like, what is it really? Is it really 10 percent? And I think you know, some of us have heard arguments for the tithe that I would say are not very good biblical arguments, um, probably more like biblical manipulation than good exegesis of the scriptures, but I just wanna, I wanna plug Pastor Seth's sermon because I just thought he did a phenomenal job of talking about the tithe as the principle of the first. Um, so check that out. Now, I, when, I was, when Jesus rescued me, when I was born again, I immediately got just plugged into this little church in Southern California, and it was one of these churches where they had like a membership class, and we don't have that, I think the closest thing we have to, like, a membership class is our transformations course, which we just finished. Um, but you'd go through this class, and they'd kind of talk about the gospel, and they'd get to the money, and their whole explanation was like, I mean, it was just like, look, Malachi 3.10, that's it, nothing, nothing more to say, and it's, it's, it's 10% of your, uh, your gross, not your net, da-da-da. And I was like, whoa, are going to audit me? Like, where is this going? <laughs> and... Uh, And I remember hearing this argument, and I was like, well, gosh, I guess, you know, Jesus is Lord, so that's just what I'll do, I guess, somehow. Um, And it it stung, for sure, but it just just seemed like, I don't know, what am I supposed to do? Like, either I'm going to obey Jesus or I'm not. So I started giving. Eventually, I began to think a little more uh, deeply about it, and I thought, I, you know, I've, I've been reading the Bible, and I get that it's, it's, it's pretty explicit, but I feel like what, what I don't understand really is, is my motivation. I feel like I'm just keeping the rule, but that doesn't quite seem to align with, like, the gospel, that it's, I'm no longer just trying to appease God through my rule-keeping, but God, in fact, has rescued me, and now whatever I do is meant to be like this act of worship, this expression of, of thankfulness, this, this life of freedom. And I thought, I don't, I don't, I don't know, how does that align with, with this? Here's what I was grateful for. Even though I didn't like understand it and I had fairly wacky theology about it, I was doing it. I was actually doing it. And I actually, I, I established a habit I, I set a, a precedent, and I just, I just kept it going. I kept it going. Guys, I've been doing it for almost 18 years now. I ended up meeting a woman. Um, and by the way, it's, it's Basque, not Bosque. So I just, sorry. It's my wife's lovely South African accent. I'm sorry, just a little banter. So sorry. <laughs> I met a wonderful woman. Beautiful, wonderful, wonderfully beautiful, wonderfully beautiful, amazing woman is now discipling my kids in a way that just, yeah, challenges me to the core. Who have this, this same conviction. Like, no, everything that I have is God's, it's only been entrusted to me. And so I, I, I honor God, I obey Jesus by giving, by bringing my tithe to the storehouse, as it were. And it was it was really nice because like we didn't have to fight about that or have some big argument and you know sort of get our Bibles out and start bashing each other and it's like no this this is just what we're going to do this is how we're going to honor God this is how we're going to um, view and relate to our money and it was it was amazing but guys here's my point so this was the church eventually I realized like I'm very grateful that I was sort of like conditioned to do this but. I need to make sure that I'm, I'm actually doing it for the right reasons, that my motivation is actually right. Because if you'll remember, um, Paul said in earlier on in the letter, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse three, he said, look, you can give away all of your money, but if you don't have love in your heart, if your motivation doesn't have something to do with love for God and others, You've gained nothing. You've missed the point. So God is intensely interested in what's going on in our hearts when we obey his commandments. Very, very important. I remember um, when Shirley and I were leading a a little small congregation back in London, and um, I remember at this sort of point, this was about 10, well, almost 12, how many years ago is this? Several years ago feeling slightly insecure about talking about money in a church setting. Um, I, I was just like terrified that people would leave as soon as we started talking about money. Um, and so I just rarely brought it up. Eventually, I had people coming to me, people who love Jesus saying, uh, Pastor, why don't you ever talk about money? Uh, I, I want to like give to the church. And number one, I forget every week. Because like no one ever brings it up. And number two, like I just feel like I need encouragement. I need, I need to be educated. And so I had people coming to me. Please talk about money. You're not doing us any favors. But because there was just like this vacuum, this theological vacuum that existed around the subject of money, people were giving for all sorts of weird. Bad reasons. There was a girl who was uh, she was one of the few who actually had like a grown up job in our little congregation, and I remember having a conversation with her in our kitchen one time, and she said, "I don't even remember how it came up. Um, she probably brought it up. It wouldn't have been me, but she said, I, I tithe. I give ten percent of my income every month, and I hate it.' And I remember thinking to myself, like, hmm." well I, I, I want you don't stop <laughs> please um, but there's something slightly wrong with the motivation if you hate it so much now there's a big difference between sacrificing and saying this is hard but Jesus you are my provider so I'm going to choose to lay down my life in obedience to you that's one thing but to say like I just hate this, and it's like I just every month like I, I just uh, yeah I just have this growing bitterness towards God and the church because He keeps taking my ten percent every month or week. That's a problem. Uh, sheer white knuckled obedience is not our motivation. Should not be our motivation. There is no joy in that. There is no love in that. Um, don't stop. Just keep listening. What about guilt? Is that any better? Probably not. Um, although I would I would argue that it's it's probably arguably the most common motivation appealed to in churches and charities alike. It's not it's not the biblical motivation. I'll tell you what it is. Three things. Number one, why give? What is our motivation? Number one, gratitude. First John 4:19. We love in all aspects of our lives. We love because he first loved us. I give because he first gave to me. I forgive because he first forgave me. I give my money. I give the first fruits of my income because God gave his first to me. My tithe, and Shirley and I, this is our conviction, we, we give up 10%, not because it's the rule. In fact, we give more than 10%. I've always viewed 10% as like the baseline, like the starting point. It's like when Jesus says, like, You know, it's written that you shall not commit murder, but I tell you, if you, if you think hateful thoughts in your heart, you've already committed murder in your heart. So he takes it to the next level. He takes what was sort of the baseline and say, look, uh, that, that is just to get you started. Okay, that, That's like spiritual training wheels. What I'm talking about is a generosity that infects the whole of your being, that takes over your heart, so you're no longer just simply trying to meet the bare minimum, You are becoming a child of God. You're beginning to bear the resemblance of your father. You're now beginning to live in gratitude. Gratitude. Second, why give? What is my motivation? Responsibility. Let me take you over to Luke 16, verses 10 through 13. Jesus has just finished telling a parable about uh, a manager, a a financial manager. He's been entrusted with the wealth of a very wealthy individual. He's done a terrible job. And now Jesus tells a parable about it and then he, he explains the parable. This is what he says at the end. Chapter 16, Luke 16, verse 10. One who is faithful in a very little is also faithful in much. And one who is dishonest in a very little, is also dishonest in very much. If then you have not been faithful in the unrighteous wealth, that means like just money, like our money, dollars, who will entrust you to the true riches? We're talking about eternal wealth. Verse 12, and if you have not been faithful in that which is Another's, because it all comes from God, who will give you that which is your own? No servant can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Everything that we've been given, including our cash, it's a stewardship. It's not yours. You've been entrusted with the resources of another. We have a responsibility to use it in a way that's going to honor him to whom it all belongs. So it's slightly different than gratitude. It doesn't counter gratitude, but it's a slightly more, I would say, an adult view of stewardship, I actually have a responsibility before my God to use his money in a way that honors him first and foremost. Um, because I have to share this with you and I won't mention any names, but uh, this is maybe about four weeks ago. There was a little envelope there that showed up at the church building, um, addressed to Grace City, opened it up, Check made out to Grace, Grace City, and uh, 15K. It was like four weeks ago. I've never, I don't know the kind of people you hang out with, but I, I, don't, I don't see checks like that, ever. Um, and I thought, well, I, should, I don't wanna make a big deal out of it, because I know this individual wouldn't want me to, but I just felt like a thank you would be, would be a decent thing to do. Um, so I thanked this individual, and you know what their response was? No, oh, it's not my money. It's not my money. It's God's. It's the tithe. It's the tithe. And there was this sense of, like, why are you even thanking me? Like, I, I, I have a responsibility to use God's money in the way that, that He commanded. That challenges me to the core on several levels, on several levels. We have a responsibility to use God's resources in a way that first and foremost honors him. That's, um, that's, that's Christian maturity. Thirdly, our motivation is that we might experience greater freedom. There's actually great benefit For us as individuals in honoring God in this way. We get to experience the kind of relationship we're meant to enjoy with money, and it's a relationship that is saturated in freedom. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 1 to 7. This will be our last text. This is the second letter. Paul writing to the Corinthians once again, he's doing a bit of a follow-up here. And he says, we want you to know about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. Okay, so that's Greece. That's, that's Corinth. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed and a wealth of generosity on their part. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own accord, begging us. Earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. And this, not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God to us. Verse seven, that as you excel in everything, and the Corinthians were all about excelling in everything, knowledge and power, they were all about it. But as you excel in everything, in faith and speech and knowledge and all earnestness and in our love for you, see that you excel in this act of grace also it is an act of grace it is the manifestation of receiving more grace the result always freedom 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 the gospel that we proclaim is the gospel of deliverance from beginning to end God is on a rescue mission to set his people free and to empower us to live out the rest of our lives in increasing freedom. And let me tell you, there is no bondage like financial bondage. We know this, right? I don't know, maybe there's like, you could dream up one or two other things, but it's just right up there. And God wants us to live our lives in freedom. Now, that could be like really complicated for you because you're like, like, you don't, you have no idea what I'm up against. I get it. I don't mean to paint a simplistic picture of like life and reality. I get it. But I know that God desires for his children, for us, to be free. To be free. Um, Let me close with this story. Recently, um, I heard of a family in our congregation here, again, mentioning no names, and uh, they, they came to, to me as the pastor saying, hey, we're in a financial hardship. Can the church help us? We're about to be evicted. Literally, we're about to be homeless, um, my whole family, including kids. And I was like, ugh. Okay, number one. As far as like the church goes, we don't have like a pot. We don't have like a backup fund. Really, really wish we did. And and I hope someday that we can. We're a church plant. We're just we're just getting off the ground, financially and everything. And uh, I didn't tell him all of this, but I said, look, um, let me let me ask around. Let me let me. Yeah, of course. Like we're family. I don't know what we can do, but give me like 24 hours and, and I'll call you. Long story short, another family in the church. Stepped up. Thousand dollars paid for, done. Not like, okay, we'll pay me back when you can. Like, no, 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 no. It, in the kingdom of God, debt is is really like an alien concept. Jesus came to pay off our debt, not to like transfer our debt to a lower APR. <laughs> okay. So there was another family in the church that said paid for, done another family in our little church here found out that that family had covered their, their $1000 and they're like no 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 we you know i don't know exactly how it all played out but they're like here's another $1000 and then there was another $1000 that came like out of the blue and just last week i got another check from our sending church and i still can't figure out why they gave this to us another 5k so that our church doesn't take four years to get out of like a deficit budget, but maybe by the end of this year, we can actually start saving up to serve homeless people and to help our brothers and sisters who are about to be out because they can't pay rent. Maybe we can actually start to, to do this stuff that we dream about. And one person's generosity, one person's willingness, one family's willingness to say, you know what? This feels really risky, like borderline financially irresponsible, but they're, it's our brother and sister in Christ. We have to help them. Otherwise, they're going to be sleeping on our couch because that's how we roll. <laughs> and someone found out about it, and they're like, oh, no, 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 I got to get, get in on that. It's like they were begging earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. Freedom begins to just spill over. People begin to give. And let me tell you something. I don't know how much money you got, but a thousand dollars to me, like that, that stings a little. Okay, I say, eh, whatever, thousand dollars. No, that's a lot of money in my world. A whole lot of money. And someone decided, no. It's not my money anyway. I'm free. I'm free. I am free. Let me, let me get in on this. Guys, this is how we're to view money. And you talk about the tithe, bringing in the, the first fruits of your, your, uh, your provision, your livelihood. And this is not about keeping some, some quote unquote old covenant rule. This is about being the children of God and growing in our resemblance Of our generous Father. That's what it is. Can I invite the band to come forward? We're going to close now. I want to pray for us, we're going to take communion. So, what do I do now? (laughs) Uh, okay. It's gonna take some getting used to. Oh, it's just, just water, just water. Okay. Thank you, thank you. Thanks, Caleb. Can we, can we just put the last slide up real quick, please? And we'll just leave that one up. It's not about the money. Did that one make it up, or is that just like in my mind? Okay, whatever. There it is, <laughs> guys. Let I want to I want to end right here. Everything that we just that I just talked about, that we just looked at in God's word, it's not actually about the money. It's not about the money. God's not like hard up for cash. It's all His. He entrusts it to us so that our hearts can be um, transformed so that we can be given opportunities to be generous and to act like our father, so that we can experience the freedom that we were saved for. You might need to take a baby step in that direction. Um, I don't like check like who's giving what not, like that would just be, that would be super uncomfortable. Um, But I'm guessing that in a room this size, some of you, you you don't give to your local church family you need to start. You need to start. You need to trust God in that way so that you can continue to, to grow in your identity as his son or daughter, that you can begin to enjoy the kind of freedom um, that we are destined for. Don't know what that might look like for you. I do know that God's not comparing us one to the other. That widow put in the two mites. It was all she had to live on. And Jesus was like, bam. That's it. Nailed it. It's about trusting God with all you've got. That is freedom. Can we stand together? You guys are a generous church. You guys are generous. You really are. Um, I'm very honored to get to, to be a part of this, to be the pastor. I feel very, very blessed um, with the way you guys give your money, time, your passion. Thank you. <sighs> guys, next week, Easter. Easter. Uh, we're going to celebrate our risen king. Um, we're going to have an egg hunt for the kids. Not like last year, if you were around. <laughs> kind of a debacle. Um, we have a new plan. It's going to be great. Uh, but if you if you got like kids and you know people with kids, that, sometimes that can just be a great, great way to invite people along. Egg hunt for the kids. And it's going to be an awesome Sunday. Guys, have a great week. Love you. See you next week.